Welcome to our community. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Don Butera. It's wonderful when God's people all come together. And for those that were here on Good Friday or if you watched it online, um, we, 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 we prayed and kind of put together some things that we felt like uh, a theme. And on, on Good Friday, the theme was, you know, on the cross, it is done. On the cross, it is done. And in the scriptures, uh, I read uh, Friday night, it says, death is swallowed up in victory. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The sin is, is the sting that results into death, and the law gives sin its power. But thank, thanks be to God. He gives us victory over sin and death through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so on the cross, it is done that God put to death, right? What did he put to death? He put death to death. That we need to not ever experience death. Even if you close your eyes, breathe your last breath here on this earth, if you are in Jesus Christ, you will open your eyes in glory. Can I get an amen? I mean, I don't know about you, but that excites me. And nothing can separate us from the love of God. When Jesus died on the cross, he broke any separation between you and God when you come to Jesus Christ. And today, uh, we talked about how the, the, the theme today is the cross makes us one. It brings us together. And so tonight, today, I want to tell you a story. I love going through uh, the whole Bible and just kind of looking at uh, a piece of the story. And, and that's what I want to look at today. And so I want to start out in Deuteronomy. Maybe you don't read that book, but actually there's a lot of good stuff in that book. Um, I, won't, I, won't, I won't go off. So let me just read. Deuteronomy chapter 12, verse 4 says, you must not worship the Lord your God in any way or in their, in their way or the, the gods of the Canaanites, but you are to seek the place the Lord your God will choose from among all your tribes and put his name there for its dwelling. To that place you must go. And then in verse 7 it says, there, there the presence of the Lord your God and you and your families shall eat and shall rejoice in everything you put your hand to because the Lord your God has blessed you. And so in Deuteronomy, what God was talking to the people about is to go to a certain place and in that place, Basically, what would happen is they would build a temple, they would build a place, and in that place, the presence of God would come and would take up residence on earth. And we see in the Old Testament how they went through the desert and they had this like tabernacle and it was like this, uh, it was like temple on the go. It was a temple on the go. It was, they, they would pick it up and move it. And every time they moved it, the presence of God would stop and they would stop in the presence of God. And the picture that you see in the Old Testament was this tabernacle and all the families would surround it and they would live around the temple showing that, that God was the center of their lives, the center of uh, their whole being, you might say. And then as it goes through in the Old Testament, uh, God puts it on David's heart to build a temple, but God says, you know, David, don't build it. Your son will build it. And Solomon builds a temple. And it says, when Solomon finished the temple and then he finished praying, fire came down from heaven. This is Second Chronicles 7. Fire came down 
from heaven and consumed the burnt offerings and sacrifice, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. The priests could not enter the temple because the Lord, because, because the Lord of his the glory of the Lord filled it. And when the Israelites saw the fire coming down, uh, and the glory of the Lord uh, uh, above the temple, they knelt down on the pavement with their faces to the ground, and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord, saying, He is good, his love endures forever. Now it's interesting that the fire came down. It's the same fire that was in the, the wilderness where it came down upon the temple. And so we see again now this, this temple that's built, right? And the fire comes down, the presence of God comes down. And then from then on, all the people uh, of Israel, even if they were in other places, they would come to this place. And this was the place where the presence of God lived. And people would come and give sacrifices. And so you get the same picture but it's building and changing. And as a matter of fact, what's very interesting is that Solomon, when he built this temple, he said this, he realized this. He said, but will God really dwell on the earth? The heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain you. How much less this temple that I have built? He says in 2 Chronicles, he said it again in, in chapter 2, he says, the temple I am going to build will be great. It was a great temple. It was cost was outrageous. It would probably be very difficult to build today because of all the gold and everything that existed in it. It says, because the Lord is greater than all other gods, but who is able to build a temple for him since the heavens, even the highest heavens, cannot contain him. So they knew when they built this temple that God really, even though his presence was there, it couldn't contain it. And, 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 and their thinking was that nothing on earth, nothing on earth could contain the presence of God. They didn't fully understand everything yet. And they didn't understand what God was doing. Because over and over when we see the, in the prophets, we see the, 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 the story and what the prophets talk about is that God is in heaven, right? And he is above the earth. And the earth is basically, uh, as they say, his footstool. So he is so high above and, and the earth is just under him that there's no way that a temple built by the hands of man could ever contain the presence or the full presence of God. But God had a plan. And in the prophecies in Habakkuk, it says, Habakkuk, it says in verse 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 14, it says, the earth will be filled with the knowledge and the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And so Habakkuk made this prophecy and said, listen, God is definitely, his glory is going to, to cover the earth. It's going to cover all the earth, and it's going to, it's going to shine throughout all the earth. And I'm sure when they, when they heard that, they, they thought of the temple, and they said, well, it's not going to be in the temple. It's going to be something even greater. Then Jesus comes along, right? Jesus comes along, and it says about Jesus that he was the living temple or the living tabernacle. It says in, first, uh, in, in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, the word became flesh, and the in, is actually the, 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 the word there is tabernacled. It means that he was like the tent. So inside Jesus was the glory of God. And he 
walked among us, among us, we looked upon his glory, the glory of the one and only, uh, the one and only from Father, full of grace and truth. And when Jesus came, he was the temple. He was the very presence of God. And as he walked this earth, we saw the power and the rule and the authority that Jesus had. And he had the authority and the power of God himself, right? This is the story. And so we see that wherever or, or, or through Jesus, God's rule, his rest, and his reign would fill the whole world. But that was still not possible when Jesus was here. It still was not possible for the glory of God to reign throughout all the earth. Why? Because God had a plan even greater, not greater than Jesus, but greater than what they thought. When, you know, uh, Friday night, if you remember when, uh, when Martha or Dondra was acting out Martha, uh, she was uh, so uh, uh, despondent. She was so desperate and sad because the very person that she put her hope in, Jesus Christ, the very person she saw as God himself, the Messiah, had died, and she didn't really, and, and we know that Martha didn't really understand what Jesus had planned, but Jesus had a plan for his glory and his presence to fill the earth, not just fill one, uh, not, not just Jesus walking the earth, but God wanted something even greater. As a matter of fact, Jesus, as he walked in the earth, I know his disciples loved him, completely. And, and they said, you know, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life, and we believe that you are the Holy One. And, 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 he, and Jesus said, I am your friend. But even two physical beings cannot be as close as Jesus and the Father desired for us, for you and me, and for everyone. So when he died and he rose again, he gave a promise. John said it early, even before Jesus died. John the Baptist said this in Luke chapter 3. He said, but John said to all of them, I baptize you with water, but there is one coming after me who is greater than I am. I, I am not uh, good enough to, to get down and to help him take off his shoes. He will baptize you in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And, and in John chapter 21, verse 21, after Jesus rose from the dead, he came into the room where the disciples were, and it began. The very plan that God had to fill the earth, to fill the earth with his glory began. It said in John chapter 21, verse 21, it says, Then Jesus said to them, May you have peace, and as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. When Jesus said that, he breathed on them, and he said, Receive the Holy Spirit. Now, for those who, who don't maybe fully understand this, I'll, I'll tell you the story. Back in the Old Testament, when the Israelites were slaves in Egypt, they, uh, they, they, God said, I will set you free, and I will bring you to the mountain. I will bring you to myself, and you will meet me there. And so after they were delivered, they were delivered out of Egypt. Fifty days went by until they got to Mount Sinai. 
And when, Mount, when they got to Mount Sinai, what happened was smoke and fire came down upon the mountain, and the presence of God met them there. And they call that day the day of Pentecost. That's what they call it. Pentecost meaning 50. It was a, and, and, and the fire and smoke came down. Jesus, after he rose from the dead, it says that he spent with his disciples 40, he spent 40 days with them. And then he ascended into heaven. And then he said to them, or before he ascended, he said, go and wait in Jerusalem until you receive the power from on high. This promise is for you and for all those who are far off, for anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord. And so they went and they sat in the upper room and they prayed and they prayed for 10 days. And on the 50th day, fire came down into that room and the promise of the Father fell upon them and fire came upon them and the presence of God fell not only on them but went inside them and they became the very temple that God had planned all along for all of us. And it was the day of Pentecost. It's amazing how how God sets it all up. How he, all in the Old Testament, they knew long ago. I'll tell you one more story if you don't know this. It's something quite interesting. If you didn't know this, but you know, it was the, it was the Passover that Jesus died. On the day that Jesus died, it was the Passover. Now, what they used to do on the Passover is they would, what? They would uh, find a young lamb who was uh, perfect, who was without blemish. And they would examine them and everything. And then they would give that sacrifice in the temple. And it would be for the sins of Israel. And on the day that Jesus came riding into the, on a donkey, that same day was the day in which all the different families and stuff would find the best lamb they could find. And they would bring it into Israel. And the same day that Jesus came in to Israel on the donkey, those lambs, the best of the best, Lambs were being brought in to Jerusalem to be examined. And from those lambs, they would examine them again. And from the best, they would take the very best. And so while Jesus was, was being tried, right, while he was being examined by the high priest, while he was being uh, talked about and, and they were saying, you know, who are you? And, and all the trials he went through, the very same thing was happening to the lambs. And what happens at the end? Pontius says, Pontius Pilate says what? I have now, I have not found any fault in this man. He was the lamb of God that was going to be sacrificed for the forgiveness of everyone. And so Jesus became the perfect sacrifice for all of us. Why? So that he could be one with you. And how does he become one with you? We see this. We see this in 1 Peter chapter 2. Very interesting verse. It says this. As you come to Christ. As you come to Christ. Who is the living cornerstone of God's temple. He's the living cornerstone. So he is actually the very foundation of the temple. It says, he was rejected by people, uh, and, but he was chosen by God for great honor. You, now he's talking to about you and me, 
He says, you are the living stones that God is building into a spiritual temple. There's that word again. What, what's more, you are his holy priest through the mediation of, excuse me, of Jesus Christ. You, are, uh, offered, you offer sacrifices that please God. So what's happening here, which is very interesting because when Peter was writing this, the temple still existed. Remember, one of the reasons why they wanted to, uh, they wanted to uh, 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 get rid of Jesus was because he stood in front of the temple and said this, this temple will be destroyed. Not one stone will be left upon another. It will be destroyed. And then, of course, then he points to himself and he says, in three days, I will rise again or it will be risen again. He was talking about himself, but he also mentioned the temple. And so when Peter wrote this, the temple still existed. But see, Pete, it wasn't until maybe a few years later that the temple was destroyed because Peter realized something, that God wasn't worried about the temple anymore. He was worried about you and me because he wanted us to be the temple where the presence of God dwells. This is the most awesome thing. See, when they said, what can possess all the glory you know, there's no temple that can... Yes, there is. You and me. But not me alone. Not you alone. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it actually does it twice, and it says it in two different ways. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, he says, do you not realize... He's talking to you as an individual. He says, do you not realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and was given to you by God. When you come to Christ, the living cornerstone, when you come to him, God will pour out his spirit in you. Now, what happens when that happens? Guess what happens? Like we sang, all sin within you is wiped away. How can that happen, Pastor? I know who I am. I know the way I think. I know the things I do. I know that they are wrong. That's right. Because the blood of Jesus cleanses us from some sins. <clears throat> wrong answer. The Bible says the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all past sins. <clears throat> wrong answer. The Bible says that the, 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 the blood of Jesus cleanses us only from the sins we have today. <clears throat> wrong answer. The Bible says it cleanses us from all sin. The most beautiful thing that Jesus' sacrifice did when he died and he rose again was that he took away sin that stood between you and God. Woo! I don't know about you. Yeah, that's right. That's what I do. I, I can't get over the fact that God would do that for me. It actually humbles me. It brings me to my knees. It causes me to, to, to cry out and say, God, I am so undeserving of what you gave me. But Lord, I receive it. And I thank you for it. It takes every pride, every piece of pride away from me because I can't earn it. I can't get it. But he said, as you come to Christ, he makes you the temple of God. It's the most beautiful thing. And that's why, as an individual, you need to realize that God is living in you. You have 
a treasure in this, this vessel. A great treasure. The glory of God. Now, how does God fill the earth? Well, he says it again in 1 Corinthians. He says it in a different way. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16, he says, Do you not realize that you together are the temple of God, that the Spirit of God lives in you? And for those that are Indonesian, the word there is kalian. He's not saying you kamu or you anda. He's saying kalian, mean you everyone. As they say in the south, y'all. Y'all are the temple of God. And God is building in us. That's what makes us one. That you are a piece of the temple. That I am a piece of the temple. That we are both living stones being put and fit together so that God, when he looks down at the earth, his glory will fill the earth. Now, how does his glory fill the earth? That's why I love the flags. Because wherever a community of believers live, the temple of God is there, and his presence is there, and that's why God wants to fill the earth with, with people who are filled with the presence of God, so his glory fills the earth as the waters cover the sea. Sometimes when I say this, I actually, well, I hear what we talked about on uh, Friday night. I hear, I hear what Natalie was sharing uh, I hear people saying, I almost hear it out loud, even though uh, it's probably in your head. You don't know me. You don't know what's inside of me. You don't know the things I did. How could God ever, ever live inside of me? If you only knew what was inside of me, you would know that God would reject me. That's why God chose the lowest of lows when he was here on earth to show you that no matter who, no matter who you are, God will live inside of you. That's why he uses the term in 1 Peter, as you come to Jesus. You just simply need to come to Jesus and say, oh God, I am a wretched man and I know what I've done, but Lord, I ask you, to forgive me of my sins. And God will pour in his Holy Spirit and you will become a temple for his glory. Woo! I, I don't know about you, but for me, that humbles me. It causes me to get on my knees and say, oh God, I can't believe you would do that. But thank you. Thank you. The purpose is for communities on this earth to come together to come to Christ, <laughs> surrounding the Lord and become the temple of God. The temple was never meant to be in one place. The temple was meant to be throughout all the earth. You are the temple of the Most High God. I'm going to just read one more verse because this is the end. See, it starts out and ends all the same way. My favorite, absolute, I would say my life verse. The verse that will, I don't know, you can put it on my gravestone, but it won't really matter because I will be doing it after I die. It says in Revelations 
7-9 says, After this, I saw a vast crowd, too great to count, from every nation and tribe and people and language, from Africa, from South America, from North America. <laughs> the Eskimos will be represented from Europe, from the UK, from Spain, from, from Portugal, from, from, from uh, I don't know, Pakistan, from the Middle East, from, from, from the Baltic states, from Russia, from China, from India. Every nation will be represented in that crowd. Woo! A crowd too great for us to number. And they will stand in front of the throne. As a matter of fact, other pictures show that they're not standing in front of the throne. They're all standing around the throne just like when they were in the desert. The throne of God will be in the center and millions and numbers beyond you could imagine will surround the throne from every language and tribe. You will be there. Woohoo! We will be there. I don't know if we will be represented as a country or maybe this will be, maybe it's represented as communities and we will all be together. Now, I just ask that when that happens, I really want to be in the Latin section because I definitely want to dance, man. I don't want to be in the UK section. Sorry. <laughs> My brother's going to come out in a minute anyways. He's from the UK. <laughs> you know, sorry. You know I'm kidding. But we are going to surround the throne. And it says... They will be clothed with white robes. I believe they'll actually have rings on their finger too. Just like the prodigal son will have rings. And we'll have a mark on our head that says we are his. And they'll have palm branches in their hands. And they will be shouting. They will be shouting with a great roar. Salvation comes from God who sits on the throne and from the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and the elders and the four creatures, uh, living beings, and they fell down before the throne with their faces on the ground and they worshiped God and they sang. Hallelujah. They sang. Amen. Blessings and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and strength belong to our God forever and ever, forever and ever. Nothing can separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus when he died on the cross and rose again and lives in you. Nothing can separate you from the presence because you carry his presence. And in the end, we'll shed these fat old bodies. At least mine is. We'll have glorified bodies. We'll never get tired. We'll, we'll be able to just, all, it says that there'll be trees for the healing of the nations and, and all tears will be wiped away. And we will sing a new song. Woo, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. I don't know about you, but my heart just cries out inside me. Abba, Father, take me home. I want to be there. I look forward to that day. And in the center of that throne, the center will be the Lamb of God. The Lamb of God. And by the way, 
It doesn't say the Lamb of God. In John, it doesn't say the Lamb of God who takes away the sins, sins, S, plural. It doesn't say that. It says the Lamb of God who takes away the sin. The very thing that came into this earth to destroy us. He wipes it out. Glory to God. He wipes it out in you and me. We live forever. If this doesn't bring you hope and joy, I don't know what will. This is why we don't need to be afraid any longer. We need not fear death or anything. Oh, shame is a prison. Don't let shame bring you down. As cruel as a